What is up, everybody? What's up, everybody? It's Luke, your boy. So if you're listening to this, you either A, saw my reel on Instagram announcing that I'm going to drop the full audio interview with Dr. Serato. Maybe number B, number B, is that a thing? Number B is that you actually follow me here on Spotify. And in that case, I I honor you. I thank you for, <laughs> for being one of the, the, the few but brave to follow Mouthful and Mindful on Spotify. But truly, I'm so grateful that you're here to listen to this because this interview, man, with Dr. Serato, it, it, it kind of blew my mind. Um, I had the opportunity to to go on a missions trip one time to Honduras. And so you'll notice I say I've only been to two countries. I've actually been to three. I've been to America. I was going to say English. Weird. Um, I've been to America, Mexico, and I've been to Honduras. And um, I got to say, man, going out on a missions trip to a different country and seeing just the lifestyle of different people really changes the game for you as a Christian. And my hope is that the, this insight from Dr. Serato um, will give you a glimpse into that that missionary, if you will, um, that evangelistic kind of mindset and to give you a, a mental picture of what certain people have to go through. And um, my whole goal with this episode, of course, you know, Dr. Serato is a beast, um, but my whole goal with this particular episode was to hopefully open people's eyes to the reality of our Christian brothers and sisters in other regions and also to see what we can truly learn from them um, and take back um, home with us. So wherever you're at, wherever you live, I live in America, I live in California, but you might not live here. You might live somewhere else. And my prayer is just that God blesses you through this podcast. So I could talk all day, but I'm not going to do that because we talk enough on this podcast. And to be honest, Dr. Serato has a lot more um, amazing things to say than I do. So without further ado, let's, <laughs> wow, I am just, I'm all over the place today. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. This is Mouthful and Mindful. I hope you guys enjoy this audio only Spotify exclusive. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mouthful and Mindful Podcast. This is your host, Luke Barbosa. I am extremely honored, uh, just super happy uh, because today I have a very special guest and I really mean that very special, um, Brother Victor Serrato. Um, man, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you for uh, accepting my invitation. I'm really excited about the topic today, but before we get into anything, I just wanted to, uh, if you can, just say hello to the folks and uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, excited to be here along with my brother Luke. Um, excited about this podcast, uh, Mouthful and Mindful. I think um, you're on to something fantastic and uh, uh, just absolutely um, going to open some doors that I think are going to be a blessing for a lot of people. Um, excited to be here on a number of, for a number of reasons, but um, I'm here because I was invited as a guest and I'm honored. And whoever's listening today, I, I believe that um, God's going God's gonna to speak to you. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, like Brother Luke said, my name is Victor Serrato. Um, I'm an assistant pastor here at Merced New Life Apostolic Church in Merced, California, under great pastor, Ooh. senior pastor, uh, Joe Aguilar, who I honor very much. And um, has been a great inspiration to me. And so um, I, I credit a lot of what I've been able to do, um, ministry that's been shaped in me. To my senior pastor, who's just instilled so much mm. in me, in my, to my life, and uh, so a little bit about me. I I did grow up. I did not grow up in church. I um, first generation mm. Christian, and um, I've had the Let's privilege go. of of connecting my family, my brothers and sisters, and my mother to the kingdom of God. And so um, along mm. this beautiful twenty something year journey, all I can say is God's been good. God's been super good. 
to us. Yeah. Praise God and congratulations. My goodness, I have um, I have a couple of friends that that are first generation. And for me, being geez, I think we're like fourth at this point. Um, it's uh, mm. it's it's you know, we we have this ability to I have this ability to lean on my parents, you know, but to be the first one in a family is it's a really big deal. And so um, I honor you and a lot of my and that man, I could. I could already see how this this conversation goes so long. I could be asking you questions all day. But today I'm really excited because Brother Victor, um, uh, I, I don't know if you would want to call it like international evangelism, maybe, or um, mm-hmm. mission. Mi- yeah. I mean, obviously missionary is the word that we all know. But um, but mm-hmm. Brother Victor is uh, is like an international evangelist. And I mean, international, you know, he's been to different countries. Do you know how many countries you've been to, Brother Victor? I haven't counted them, but... Um... <laughs> Probably, probably ten, close to ten, maybe close to ten. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I've I think been so. to uh, I've been to, I've been to America and I've been to Mexico, and I think that's that's about it. Mex- um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's the go to Mexico for some tacos. Yeah, beat that. All right, so let's get to, get into some get to know you questions. So you could know Brother Victor for yourself. Um, these are fun questions just to uh, to break the ice, but also to see uh, some of the the, the 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 cool, fun, casual things that Brother Victor's into. So uh, the first question I had is, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? Okay, so I'll jump right into that question because I've eaten a lot of weird, unusual, maybe um, not so common things, but. The one that stands out is, and, and for anybody who's a little squeamish and um, likes monkeys, I, I'm gonna probably offend you or it's probably gonna hurt you, but <laughs> oh, um, because I because I was in Thailand um, several years ago, one of my first missionary trips. And um, as much as I wanted to deny that I eat monkey, um, we ended up eating some monkey. Sorry, I'm sorry to everybody. That... My son is, Ju- I have a son named Judah. His favorite stuffed animal is Curious George, everybody, like that little monkey dude. And so when he heard that yeah. I, you know, ate some monkey, he's just like, how oh could you, dad? How could you eat a little monkey? So I ate monkey in the country of Thailand. They kept telling us about it. They yeah. kept, uh, they didn't warn us. They were excited that we could eat monkey someday because they eat a lot of pork and a lot of chicken. We'd go from village to village ministering and they'd wow. always offer us the same thing, a bowl of meat with with vegetables and oftentimes we knew what it was it was either chicken or it was pork one particular village they brought out this meat that had a very um not to be too graphic but it had like a a, a more of a human fleshly look <laughs> you're right it. it was an unusually kind of or- oh orangey uh, pinkish it had a, a tone to it that was very unusual <laughs> and um they just you know when you when you visit these places it's it's respectful to eat even if you don't eat the whole thing but you have to you can't say no and so um yes. yeah we found out that it was monkey yeah and um we actually got invited to another family's home where we saw the monkey in a little cage they were fattening it up and they said when you come back in february we are gonna have this monkey and so i'm sorry to all the animal <laughs> lovers out there but it's brother luke's fault he asked me and i had to tell you the <laughs> truth is how many of you have had oh, the uh, opportunity to eat monkey. Yeah, there it is. I said Yikes. it. I said it publicly. Yikes. Probably never going to get invited anywhere else. <laughs> How did it taste? <laughs> so, I'm just curious. Um, to be completely honest, I, I, I did not eat the whole bowl, but I did have at least three right. mouthfuls, and it was it was a little chewier, and that's what that's what did it for me. I was like, okay. why this? The texture is different. 
the tone of is yeah. like the actual color is different, and it was it was a little chewier than like pork and chicken, and uh, but the flavor you cannot beat Thai seasoning. Thai flavor, right? They make everything taste good. Um, I had bamboo shoots with that meal. I didn't think you, I didn't know you could eat bamboo, but <laughs> they made it taste delicious. It's just whatever seasoning they use, they, and they use a lot of spices that I like. Yeah, as a as a Mexican, uh, you know, person of Mexican <laughs> heritage, they had like yeah. nice, flavorful Thai peppers in there. So yeah, that's how I can describe it right there. Well, thank you. As a self-proclaimed foodie, um, that's something that I, I definitely haven't tried yet, but uh, <laughs> sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, next question Monkey is, um, do you have a dream car? Monkey <laughs> I do. <laughs> With little ceviche, right? And, uh, and not ceviche, yeah, onions no, and cilantro. The new, okay, what's your dream car? Yeah, so new food trend. Favorite? Okay, so I'm a, I'm a car guy. I really do. I love muscle cars, classic cars. I love uh, high-performance cars. But if you if you told me, like, which is the one car... It, it's actually a Bugatti right. and it's called a, um, oh. a, a, I think it's called a Barrage or something. It's got two B's in it. But anyway, I actually saw one in Japan in one of my trips and it was, wow. I saw it on the, on the road. It was like Tokyo drifting out huh. there and it was just loud and strong and <laughs> vibrant. I thought, yeah. man, I would love to jump in that car. So yeah, the Bugatti. A Bugatti. I've 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 only heard heard of Bugattis. I don't think I've actually ever seen them. But what I'll do is in editing after I'll I'll put a picture on the screen of the exact car. What color? Just so I can know what picture to put. Yeah, yeah. It, it had what uh, color? It was like a three tone. It had like black and silver. Oh my gosh! And some red in there. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, very very cool. I'm not much of a car guy myself. Um, I think most of my uh my dreams have gone into like guitars or whatever or you know studio <laughs> gear or whatever. But I have a lot of car heads or I don't know what you call them uh that go to my yeah, church. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure they would they would be interested yeah. in 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 that. <laughs> uh, okay, next question sure. is uh and last question of get to know you questions is uh what do you think or maybe just in your experience what's the best place for a family vacation? Um, so most recently, um, we went to, um, like here in California, right? Uh, it's, it, I would say, sure. um, it's a place called Oakhurst, California. If you're looking for a, a nice, you know, getaway where there's some hills, there's trails, there's a river right behind you. You can go on a nature hike and just have like a lot of time to think and walk and explore, yeah. Oakhurst, California, little known fact. I'd never even heard of Oakhurst. And somebody told me to get a little Airbnb there. And it was the coolest place oh, yeah. for a family mini getaway, you know, outside of having to go, you know, outside yeah. of the state. Like Oakhurst, California, yeah. I'm putting a plug in for that little town because it, <laughs> it, it, it superseded my expectations. It really did. Wow. It, it was so cool. Is that, yeah. Is that right outside of, right outside of Yosemite? Yes, by any chance, it is because I think I've been there. Actually, you're absolutely right. It's you're it's absolutely uh, it, there's right. a lot, it's it's very green. I want to say, uh, and mm -hmm. me and my friends there went went there one time because we were going on our way up to Yosemite and they wanted to stay at an Airbnb there, so we found this nice Airbnb. I guess shout out to Airbnb, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, 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 my goodness, it was beautiful. So I can I can attest to that. But um, it's only me and my wife right now. Mm -hmm. You know, hoping to have kids in the in the future, the near future. So uh, I, I will take that down and I'll. Yeah. Take it to the bank. <laughs> keep that, keep that, keep that on the uh, on the back burner. Yeah. Oh, I will. 
<laughs> All right, Brother Victor. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I'm really excited to get into these into these topics because once again, um, like we kind of established earlier, you you know, you your heart is to preach the gospel and is to go to places and to peoples, um, at least from what I can tell from a third person point of view, um, who mm-hmm. are in need of Jesus, you know, and, um, and and you've seen a lot of different places and a lot of different people. And one of the thing, things that I, as an American, uh, would like to know is what can I learn from Christians from other countries, I guess? What can I learn from, you know, from people from from different places? Because we could be a little bit, maybe the word is spoiled. We could a little bit be a little bit spoiled um, yeah. in America. So, um, you know, I have some questions, but kind of like, I guess we discussed previously, you know, um, I just want the Holy Spirit to guide this conversation and please feel free to share what's on your heart. So, um, I guess the, the starter question would be, um, what are some big lessons that American Christians can learn from our global brothers and sisters? Um, what have, what have you seen in other countries that you're like, man, I wish, maybe not, I wish, but I would love to like you know, put this in a bottle and share it with my people at home. Absolutely. Great, great question. And um, I, I love that you're posing that question because so oftentimes as Westerners, you know, we're considered Western, Western, we're in the Western yes. part of the hemisphere. We, we assume that we are elite in so many ways. And, and we do. We have the best technology, best defense system. We have the best um, healthcare, but, but oftentimes we forget that others have so much to offer us. And so I love the question. What can we learn from them, from third world countries and particularly yeah. believers, people that are coming to Christ? And uh, in, in a nutshell, I would say their loyalty, their tolerance and their mm. um, patience. They have a tremendous amount of loyalty, tolerance and patience for yeah. us as Westerners. Uh, because we have our own little, uh, you know, we come with our own set of uh, expectations and they right. they don't always need what we think that is best for them. And they have tolerance and patience for us. And when they become Christians, they're just tremendously loyal, loyal and faithful on, an, on a level I haven't seen on a, on a grand scale. And, and yeah. I'll unpack that a little bit. Um, but I just want to say this. Um, I absolutely love serving and reaching the um, unreachable, yeah. the unchurched, the um, those that are marginalized, those that are on the fringes of, you know, the bottom of whatever um, socioeconomic uh, status that you can think of. And, and I'll just kind of plug this in. I think part of that was my mm. upbringing. I was considered, you know, okay. um, a young person, a kid, a family that grew up in, in a poverty in America, Poor neighborhoods, yeah. bad neighborhoods, um, rough, rough upbringing, a, a lot of, um, you know, uh, disconnectedness and brokenness. And so I, I believe that God took all of those experiences that I had as a as a kid growing up in that yeah. family household outside of Christ and gave me a heart for people that are in similar situations in other countries, far from God, disconnected, disillusioned Powerful. on the mar- fringes of of, of everything that is considered to be kind of the lower, lower caste or lower class. And so um, my passion's there 100% of the time, yeah. always looking out for like the underdog, those that are not, mm. they're underserved or disconnected somehow. I, I have a tremendous amount of yeah. love for people and I just wanna see their integrity. Uh, I wanna see their, uh, their respect level go up for people that, are, that may not seem to have a lot mm. to offer. 
And so I'm always looking to yeah. see what people have to offer. And so when I go to a mission field, I'm always asking myself and asking the Lord to show me what can I learn from these people, this culture, these newcomers to the Lord, these Christians. That's good. What can they teach me? And I often leave with tremendous um, life lessons and biblical principles that come alive. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It really yeah. is. So, uh, and I don't mean to belabor yeah. the, the question, but you asked me, no, you know, what is it that we can learn? Yeah. And that's a very yeah. deep question for me. It, 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 I, it's something that I think mm. about all the time. And it's been a part of how I approach ministry. I don't approach ministry yeah. or serving as if, you know, top down approach where I have everything and you have nothing. I have whatever God mm. has uh, anointed me to deliver, but yeah. God has also appointed you to, to, to offer me something. And I'm looking for that. Mm. And I don't care what background you oh, came from, yeah. what, what you had, what you didn't have, what, you know, socioeconomic level you came from, culture, race, ethnicity. Yeah. God has something so, um, he's, he has so much value yeah. for people that he's invested something in everyone. And so just wanted to say that. One of the things that you said that really, um, interested in me and it, like I said if I may is you talked about how you know uh, I don't know if I, I don't think you use the word poor but you said underserved and how you like to learn from them and it kind of reminds me of when Jesus would talk I, I think it was in in the in the Beatitudes or in the same kind of chapter the Sermon on the Mount but he said blessed are the poor in spirit right and then there are other areas of scripture where where Jesus would for lack of better words, I don't know if the right word is condemn, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he would condemn the, maybe it's prosperous or over-prosperous might be the word, the rich, um, and he mm -hmm. would encourage the poor. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Is there something that you've learned that maybe their need has allowed them has allowed them to unlock something in their brain, maybe faith or something of that sort, um, that those of us who... I don't like to use like bad stigmatized words, but let's say for those of us who are maybe more, uh, we have more uh, earthly goods, earthly materials that we sometimes just don't, sure. don't seem to get. Is that a fair question? I see where you're going with that. Absolutely. I know exactly uh, where to go with that question. And um, so I'll, I'll answer. I, I love giving testimonies, like real yeah. life applications. That's kind of how I operate with, in terms of principles and biblical concepts. Please. And so what came to mind immediately was um, the country of Bangladesh, where we've done a tremendous amount of ministry there. And mm -hmm. um, the aha moment for me was when I witnessed the following. Mm -hmm. We baptized a number of people, and the, um, the leader that I'm working with said, uh, Brother Victor, I'm going to need you to meet with me and sign all of these uh, documents. And I said, what okay. are these documents? He said, everybody that gets baptized in this country Mm -hmm. has to turn themselves in or they have to report to the local authorities. And this document certifies that you are no longer a Muslim and you oh are now gosh. basically turning your back. You're turning your back, oh not just on the Muslim faith, but essentially you're turning your back on the government because what a lot of Westerners wow. don't understand is in the United States, uh, you're not born into a religion. You, you, you right. get converted, right? Right. In other countries, you're literally born into it, generation mm. after generation. And so the fabric of society is so wrapped up in your religion that healthcare, schooling, oh anything that has to do with government, law enforcement, it's all tied in, right? Yeah. So this document was such an eye opener for me on so many levels. I had to sign each document 
confirming that this took place, name, date, birth date, a picture of every person that we baptized. They have oh to gosh. turn this into the authorities. We pay a fee. And basically the authorities now say, you, you basically, we've written you off and you are no uh -huh. longer entitled to some of the benefits that Muslim people have. Let me just give you a couple of those benefits. Wow. You no longer have the right to be buried in government huh. um, uh, funded, <laughs> um, crazy. Uh, you know, burial grounds. You see, in, yeah. in countries like that, um, when you're a Muslim and you die, the government has plots mm. already. And it's a huge relief for the family because they have someone to bury you. When you become yeah. a Christian, you lose your, you oh waive your rights to be buried. Think about that. Like that's, that's serious business. That's it's, serious. it's an eye opener for me because what it's saying is that every person that gets baptized, they don't just think about, oh, I'm being converted now and I get to come to church and I get to learn about <laughs> oh, the Bible. Man. You have to think about a whole different layer, layers and layers of how your life is going to change dramatically, which, which begs the question, yeah, why would they do this? Why? Why would they make such a life changing decision when they yeah. can just like pretend to be Christians, say they're Christians, be underground Christians, but yeah. they're boldly declaring before the public, I am no longer a Muslim, I'm a Christian, and yeah. I'm waiving my rights to be buried in, uh, uh, they're poor. I mean, they make like $5 a day. They're basically saying, right. I'm going to live by faith. And so the aha yeah. moment, the, the eye opener for me and maybe for listeners today is this, that there are people in other countries that when they declare um, that Christ is king in their life, they are taking it serious. It's life changing, mm. not Man, just because of what Christ is doing in them, but because of the persecution that they're going to face and the oppression that's us. awaiting them. And they yeah. do it gladly. And I'm, I'm yeah. left in awe. I'm, I'm dumbfounded. And I've questioned my own faith being a person of faith. And I consider myself, yeah. a, you know, I can be radical and faith-filled. And I, I've done some things that God has asked me to do by faith. But Amen. when I see that and I see young men, young ladies, elderly, married couples, young married yeah. couples, and they're lining up to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I have the honor of conducting and facilitating this. And I go home in tears saying, Lord, how can we take this back? This ownership, this loyalty, Man. this faithfulness. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This yes, is sir. truly what, what the apostles experienced in the early church where people had to hide underground. They were running from fear of being oppressed and jailed and, and even right. killed. And yet they were still willing to do it. Yeah. And that's just some of the oppression. They lose their jobs often. Once the owners of these agricultural lands and the management finds out that they are they become Christians because word spreads rapidly, you cannot hide it even if you wanted to. Right. They they often lose their jobs. They have no HR department. They have no um, attorneys. They have no, uh, you know, there's no um, uh, group of people that are going to protect you. The whole so social they often structure is, is based around the religion, like the, everything. Absolutely. Oh my 100%. Gosh. 100%. And so a <laughs> Westerner crazy. doesn't have to think about that. A Westerner doesn't ha we, ever have to say, if I become a Christian, I might lose my job. <laughs> yeah. Right. What are the repercussions? You we go to Raising Canes family? after and we have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Goodness. There's a celebration. There's a party. Right. There's gifts. There's a welcome mat. Right. Yeah. 
and they they have to think of I might lose my job. How am I going to feed my family? If I die, who's going to bury me? Where are they going to bury me? And just a quick, quick testimony. Six months yeah. later, one of our members died. Literally, oh, man. six months later, one of those groups of 60 people, we, grabbed, we baptized 50 of them. One of them died and um, they called me and said, the leader called me and said, Brother Victor, where are we going to bury our brother? What a it question. was, I stayed up. I stayed what up question. praying and seeking God and saying, I'm in the U.S. in the comfort of my home, the luxuries of the Western American life. Yep. And my brothers are trying to figure out where they're going to bury our brother. That's not right. It's just it's not, not right. right. Long story short, I raised some funds. We bought a small plot of land. And um, by the time we we organized all that. See, here's another thing. When, when somebody dies in another country. Yeah. You need to bury them within two to three days. It's you don't wow, get so be to quick. put them somewhere in a freezer, preserve their body right. and prep anybody. You bury the, the ceremony, the, the, the procession has to go forward. There's people involved. There's government involved. There's some health organizations involved. They're like, we need this person buried now. Wow. The family of this brother who's still Muslim went and basically stole the body. Oh my God. They basically went and said, We are taking the body. And our brothers begged and said, Please leave our brother alone. He died in Christ. Let us have a proper Christian biblical ceremony. Yeah. And the, the, these radical Muslim relatives said, No, he belongs to us. Wow. We are taking him. When do you ever have to deal with that in America? When have we ever had. When, when's the last time we heard of anything like that? It's not even no, on, our, never. Uh, on our conscience that someone's going to take this body and fight for it. And so that's just a few of the um, aha moments that made me realize, do we truly understand what it is to be a follower wow. by faith? Yeah. And I experience that every time I go. I experience something like that yeah. every time I go out uh, yeah. to these, some of these countries. And so... That's why I think your question was so awesome, um, because everybody that's listening, that's a, that's a follower or considering being a follower, or you're exploring Christ. You you would you would make Jesus very proud to walk through you know mm. those into these steps of baptism and being filled and calling yourself a yeah. Christian with that in mind that I'm going to yeah. go all the way. You know, I'm yeah. going to go all the way. And God's been good in the midst of all the oppression, yes. persecution, yes. interruptions. God's been good and he is faithful to everything that he's promised. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And we've been, we've made it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brother Victor. I think, um, I think it's almost like sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind for a lot of uh, American Christians. You know, I'm not saying that we don't go through our own uh, issues and struggles and our trials. You know, I'm sure there are different, various things. And my, my family has been through a bunch of things that I wouldn't wish on anybody, but just the mm -hmm. level of daily daily uh attack the lifestyle change is is just it's just a completely different uh atmosphere it's a different like universe that i never even thought about you know and um and this kind of led me to a different question but i just had to like express almost my level of just like it's obvious it's obviously it's a belief i don't want to use the word disbelief but it's almost like but man like how could we have brothers and sisters in some areas that are experiencing that kind of craziness it's just it's wild to me but i know at the end of the day and maybe we'll get a little more into this that god is good and god still shows up in the midst of those circumstances um which kind of leads me to the next mm -hmm. question i was going to say how have you seen 
this lifestyle uh, uh, draw people to Jesus. You know, you mentioned that uh, you'd go to a specific country and you'd preach the gospel and people would get baptized. Do you think that that something, maybe there's something, not something in the water is the wrong way to put it, but there's an experience that these people are having that um, is specific to their culture. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's a proper way to say it, but like, do you think that their, um, their experience, their social experience in their life has actually helped uh, uh, lend to maybe a greater kind of faith or maybe um, are they hung? Like, is there a hunger there for Jesus? Cause the Jesus is the good news. The gospel is the good news. And I would imagine yeah. if you, and you're in yeah. a country like that, it would just be, I would take all the good news I can get, you know? Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. So um, depending on which country that, that, that we're talking about where I've been, there mm -hmm. are some countries where here's, here's what I've observed is they have been so entrenched Mm -hmm. and born into and it's been drilled into them this is who you are you are a hindu a muslim a buddhist yeah that is who you are that's the fabric of your being hmm. and they are so loyal to it that that some of them would they would die for that like that's who they are and they often get disowned like physically mentally disowned by their own mothers and fathers where it's like you're dead to me you're wow. no longer a Buddhist. You're no longer a Hindu. You're no longer a Muslim. You're dead to me. Yeah. And, um, and so when they become Christians, for a lot of these people, I notice that that loyalty transfers over. Wow. I that's... was loyal to this. Wow. I was loyal to this, this system that I was forced into, born into, and it was oh, false. So it didn't do me any good. How can I not be loyal to truth, to good news? to a revelation, to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. How can I not be now loyal? And by way wow. of testimony, let me just throw this, throw this in there. Let me build this in there. Yes, we sir. baptized a gentleman and um, I baptized him. When I left, came back to the States, um, a group of radical Muslims went and surrounded the house, started oppressing families that we had baptized in that yeah. community, that village. And one of the men resisted. Most of them just fled. They just said, leave us alone. Right. One of our believers resisted and said, what are you doing? Leave my house alone. Leave my family alone. I'm not going to let you come in here and do what you want. And they, um, they broke his leg, bro. Oh. They took a bamboo stick. And, and bamboo, no. if you've never had a bamboo, I've got a bamboo stick yeah. around here somewhere. I wish I could just show it to you. But anyway, um, they're big. They're thick. They're like, it's like swinging a baseball bat. Right. And uh, they, they broke his leg. And I saw, I saw the picture where they're carting him off. One of our <laughs> brothers took him to a local clinic. And um, get this. He was defending the Christian faith Praise God. at six months of being a newborn, a new, a baby <laughs> in Christ. What we would consider a baby in Christ yes. doesn't even have yeah. a full knowledge of the whole narrative of what's Jesus you know, came to do. He just yeah. knows that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And again, the aha moment for me is, man, if a six month old baby in Christ is willing to get his leg broken and fight for what he believes and take a hit, what are we doing? Like, yes, really, sir. what are we doing? Yes, sir. You know, uh, how serious are we about what we, what we believe? And so, yeah, to answer the question, I think some of what people are involved with yeah. in their prior lives yeah. in these countries it has a has a definite crossover yeah with regards to like loyalty yeah their willingness to stand up and uh fight the good fight for My sure that, um, it, you know that there's others yeah go ahead 
I was going to say, um, when it comes to, for example, the, the Buddhist community, mm-hmm. uh, actually the, the Hindu community, we, they are such loving, welcoming, happy, you know, boisterous, outwardly expressive people. And so when we, again, they're doing that all in a previous, you know, lifestyle and faith. Yeah. When they mm-hmm. cross over, I noticed that there's, there's an openness to yeah. be expressive. You tell them to raise their hands, they'll do it. You tell yeah. them to uh, smile, to shake hands. Wow. They don't know all of this Christian, you know, new <laughs> lifestyle. And so right. that, that crosses over too. Like you tell them, clap your hands for the Lord. They're not looking at the clock. They're not looking around. They're not distracted. Yes. They're looking at you. They're telling us, tell us how to respond to the word of wow. God. And so that's another crossover that I saw that, you know, uh, the, the Hindu community that I've worked with, they have literally yeah. uh told me about thousands of different deities that they've attempted to serve and recognize and know and remember and, and, and try to keep up with the thousands of deities that they are called to, to worship. And, um, and so when they get to, when they get to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they realize that all they have to do is know one and all their energy can go to that one, they no longer have to have this complex system of, of deities that they have to remember to compartmentalize and right. it's, wait a minute, there's That's only crazy. one. And now they can put, you know, all their eggs in that one basket, if you will. And so that's another yeah. uh, amazing crossover that I've, I've seen for some of wow. our brothers. Uh, these testimonies are like gold to me, man. Uh, my goodness. I'm, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just eating this all up before we get into the intent, the final question. Once again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time here. Um, it, uh, it reminds me a little bit, like kind of in a similar way to Paul, where, you know, when God, uh, when he had that experience with Jesus on the road, right? Um, Paul, I, I, it seems to me, at least in the scripture, that he was always very zealous. He was always a very like, I mean, he learned the best teacher, right? Um, he he uh, uh, was a young man in his mind after God. Um, and then when after he had his revelation, it's not like. God completely turned him into a completely different person. At least that's what it seems like to me. And you can correct me from correct me if I'm wrong. But God mm-hmm. changed uh, uh, his his per, his pursuit, his like his purpose. But his abilities were still there. His zeal was still there. Um, it's not like God got rid of it once he got you know he was saved. And so that's kind of what it kind of feels like to me a little bit is where you know there are these people that God has God makes everybody so specifically and so perfectly. And these people are born with gifts. We we were designed to serve the one and only creator. And so it's not like they're like, it's like you said, it's not like their loyalty leaves them once they, they come to Jesus, but it's, it's, I almost want to say in some ways it gets perfected um, through the knowledge of the truth, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, wow. (laughs) Wow. 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 Absolutely. You know, I just thought of the, um, you know, the, the, um, the ancient Israelites who were under um, Egyptian bondage and they were in slavery and they were in idolatry, but that's where they learned the skills that God would later use to build the tabernacle. And they, what they learned in Egypt, right? God used what they learned in the world, which, you know, whether they recognized it or not, all of those gifts, talents, abilities, they come from God, whether you're in Christ or not, you may just not give God credit for it. But you're right. Yep. It gets refined. It gets tuned up. It gets aligned, realigned with vision and purpose yeah. in God's hands. And God used that to do one of the most, you know, amazing, tremendous uh, uh, buildings, if you will, uh, in in ancient history. And um, wow. the same thing 
I can say about myself. I mentioned to you that I came from, you know, hardship, uh, yes, sir. fragmented family, um, yes, sir. a lot of chaos. And at the same time, I was always kind of in survival mode. Well, wow. I realized that although God transformed me, changed me on the inside, I have this affinity, this, this attraction towards being in survival mode to this day to where when I do a mm, missions man, trip, good. I'm attracted to places where it feels like I'm in survival mode and I feel very comfortable. It's not comfortable <laughs> for everybody and I've taken several right. people with me, but right. I, I feel like this is, this is not uncomfortable for me to sleep on the floor, yeah. sleep on a bamboo mat, yeah. to you know uh, have yeah. my nights and days mixed up, to eat whatever's available or not eat, or to baptize yeah. people in a river, a pond, um, yeah. a bucket, doesn't matter, like a can, a, a 50 gallon drum, like those unusual, unorthodox um, approaches to ministry feel very comfortable for me. And I believe a lot of it has to do with, you know, what the devil tried to use for evil. God turned it around and used it as a tool and a blessing for me now in the kingdom. So I see that crossover in so many ways. (laughs) I'm like a little bit speechless. It's, it's just so profound. Um, And thank you just for your sincerity. I, I, I could listen to these kind of stories all day. And, and, and it, what, I think the reason why is because it just encourages me to want to know more um, and then to pursue deeper on my end as just a Christian in, you know, in, in my situation. So once again, thank you. So let's go ahead and get into um, into the last question. And um, I kind of want to just make my way back to is I guess it's kind of like one of the first questions. But I had said um, if you could like bottle up, let's just say like one trait or one lesson um, that you wish you could just pour all over the American church, um, you know, that you've, that, that maybe, uh, our brothers and sisters in different countries have, maybe, maybe, I don't know if the word is mastered, maybe they have mastered, but have down per se, uh, what would that one trait be? Like if, if, if you could just kind of, uh, pinpoint focus, like, okay, what's something that American church just generally might have, uh, maybe like character flaw with? And how could, what's that one thing we could just take from, I know there's so many, we already talked about it, but what's that one thing you wish you could just like do a cool transfer <laughs> into the American church? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Um, what, what immediately comes to my mind is the, the moments I've had with young people in these countries. And it is, I don't even have words to describe it. It's, it's heartwarming. It's yeah. deep. It's profound. And what I'm referring to is when you're, when you're around some of these new converts in Christ, they're not distracted They'll stay with you. I've been to meetings oh, man. on good. dirt floors, and they're there for four hours, five hours, oh, six man. hours. And, and, and when I first started going out, I would ask yeah. some of our leaders, hey, what time do they have to go home? I want to be respectful of their time. I want to be respectful of their families, their babies, schooling, whatever they have right. to do. And they would say, brother, don't worry. Bro- brother, don't worry. Don't worry mm. about the time. They're fine. And what I discovered was that a lot of these cultures that are third world, they're not distracted by so much of what we consider to be a blessing. Oftentimes things that we consider to be blessings can be cursings, like the distractions of uh, life, uh, Mm -hmm. career, um, schooling, uh, media, whatever, Um, trinkets, toys, technology, um, goals in life. You know, some of the things that we consider to just be good things may not be the greatest thing. You know, yes, sir. and, and yes, a lot sir. of these families, a lot of these young people, particularly, they just will soak up everything that you're willing to give them. Mm-hmm. And they're not in a hurry. They're not distracted. So that what I would bottle up is, is the ability or the willingness, the humility to say, 
Jesus, right. I'll give you all the time that you need and everything else yeah. can be on the back burner. Everything else can wait. You're important enough for me to spend time with you. And um, living in the Western world, again, that is, mm -hmm. I think, one of the biggest challenges that I see amongst our Christian community is we are so distracted by life, by circumstances, by careers, wow. jobs, goals, and, and technology and competing and comparing and everything else that comes along with so-called blessings. And yes, the sir. funny thing is, is yes, that sir. Man, I've spoken to a lot of young people in other countries and, and they've said, when I've asked them, what, what do you want for your future? What do you want for your life? To the young people, you know what they've often said? I would love to come mm -hmm. to America. I would love, and some of them have asked me if I could help them get here. And I, and I tell them, be careful what you're asking for, because what you see on TV and media, oh, where you see everybody yeah. on beaches and yeah. new cars and nice yeah. clothes and trendiness and, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and everything that goes, I said, be careful. It's an illusion. It's the illusion Man. of happiness, the illusion of joy. I said, what you have right now, you, you don't even know what you have. You have, wow. you have this unique opportunity not to be distracted the way a lot of Americans are. And so, so I would true. say that, I so would good. bottle that up. I'd bottle that up. It's just uninterrupted time with the Lord because yeah. it's amazing. You don't have to like cheerlead anyone there when you get there and minister to people in these countries. You don't have to prime them up. You don't have to... Turn on the bell, you know, lights, camera, action, bells and whistles. Yes. You don't have to yes. uh, throw treats at them. They're 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 ready. Um, I often bring things. I often bring yeah. small trinkets and toys and gifts and candy and school supplies, and even that is amazing. They just they're so excited to receive a five cent pencil. <laughs> And not just the kids, but the parents are, they're reaching for it. They're like, I, I'll take one out. I would, right. I would love a pencil. And, and so you're just, you're floored by, by that humility and that willingness to, to take everything you say so seriously and so open to it. And I would love to see that in America. I would love to see the day where Christians are running to the, to the doors, to the feet of Jesus, to your cell oh, group, man. to your church meeting, to your midweek, to, your, what, to any <laughs> opportunity that the doors open for Christians to get together, that people would run to it. You know, in these yes, countries, uh, Luke, Luke, they are, you're the, what you're doing for Christ, whether you're assembling in a house or on the street, or in a platform that God opens up, it's like the hottest thing in town. Like that is the hottest thing in town. It's not Disneyland. It's not, you know, Marine World. It's not Great America. It's not the movie theater. It's literally yeah, like right. when you say, I'm going to have a meeting for Christians and we're going to have some worship, some music and fellowship. That is the hottest thing in town. And that's the way it should yeah. be here. When the doors open for community I agree. in the kingdom of God, that should be the hottest thing in town. That should not, there should be no competition with that. And that's yes, what sir. I wish we could bottle up here because I see it there. I see it in these other countries. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more in the sense that, and as someone who is a recovering distract, distracted addict, um, I, I, I could totally see that, you know, and it, we've been lied to so lied to that all these things are important and valuable, 
You know, I'm sure there are a couple good movies that can come out that really might help people. Sure. Some good music, obviously, anointed music. Yeah, I, I've seen it. And I thank God that I've been able to be a part of it, you know. But the majority of what people are are pushing on Americans as valuable is just, it's useless. It's useless. And so yes. hearing that from you and the experience that you've had, uh, it just, it just, it really, uh, it confirms in me the need to just draw closer to God, of course. Number one, always, always draw closer to God. Um, but also to learn to start trimming the fat, especially as a lot of churches are going into fasting season, um, to not just make a fasting season, but to make it a new way of seeing life is trimming the fat and cutting off things that um, that don't matter, for lack of better words. So, uh, man, Brother Victor, thank you for so sure. much again for 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 joining um is there anything that that you'd like us to be aware of maybe uh any uh anything that you're do working on any causes or any, anything like that that you'd like to share before we end yeah please pray please pray for our children's rescue home in the country of nepal we're involved in rescuing children that are at risk for being trafficked into other countries where horrible things are happening to them we have our own rescue homes where we are caring for 17 children that are being raised in ministry Praise pulled out God. of darkness, literally pulled out of darkness and will be ministering the gospel in the next few years as they become teenagers and then young adults. And then pray for all of our families in Bangladesh who are being persecuted. They need your prayers. Ask God's protection over them and that the church would explode because of that oppression in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I reset. And and I'll share what I can um, after maybe we can share a link with me or, or, or whatever. But um. I would I would love to to be part of that. Thank you, brother awesome. Victor, so much for for taking the 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 time and all these testimonies and stories. I'm really blessed, and I know they're gonna bless um, anybody who listens. So thank you again. I've enjoyed it, enjoyed it, truly enjoyed it, brother Luke. Anytime we're praying for you, you pray for us. And um, until next time, my brother. This has been the Mouthful and Mindful Podcast, folks. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.